Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. It is Trans Awareness Week, and we're going to check in with two of the founders of the Transgender District, which became the world's first legally recognized cultural district for trans people just a few years ago. Located right in the Tenderloin, an area that's drawn both civic scorn and development, we'll talk about the area's history, going beyond the symbolic act of the district's creation, and how the pandemic hit the trans community. And then... We bring you some good news about our beloved monarch butterflies. Their numbers are going back up. That's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. The Transgender District is a San Francisco-recognized cultural district that, like others in the Castro and the Mission, has a wide remit to try to tackle the problems of, in this particular case, the trans and gender nonconforming people of the Tenderloin and across the city. The district is centered on the site of 1966's Compton's Cafeteria Riots, a crucial moment in the trans history of resistance to oppression by police and society that predated Stonewall by three years. Despite all the years between then and now, trans people remain discriminated against for housing and jobs, as well as targeted for street violence. The Transgender District presents an alternative vision of trans life in San Francisco, in which trans entrepreneurs empower their own community and longtime residents hold their place in this historic complex piece of the city. Joining us to talk about the district are two of its founders. We have Honey Mahogany, no longer has an operational role with the district, uh, but was one of the founders and who you may have seen on RuPaul's Drag Race. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We also have Arya Saeed, both a co-founder and the current executive director of the Transgender District. Welcome, Arya. Good morning. I'm so excited to have you with us. Welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> so tell, tell me a little bit, just for people who maybe just you know, tapped in for the creation of the district uh, and, and don't remember. How'd this get going and how does it get funded? And Aria, maybe we'll uh, start with you. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, how does it get funded? It's such um, a day-to-day question, <laughs> but um, myself and Honey and uh, Janetta Johnson of TGI Justice Project, uh, we banded together with our allies in 2016 um, to start our work um, in founding the Transgender District. And um, we had created a coalition of transgender residents in the Tenderloin 
Um, a lot of people may not realize that the Tenderloin does have the densest transgender population of any other neighborhood in San Francisco, but mm. also potentially the country. And um, we started our coalition of um, grassroots organizing um, to raise awareness on sort of pending gentrification coming to the Tenderloin neighborhood um, with a mass of new developments and potential displacement of our community, which is already marginalized and, and disenfranchised in many ways, even in legislatively progressive San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And so the transgender district um, became legally recognized in January, 2017. And uh, as far as funding, my gosh, we, <laughs> we try everything we can uh, to resource the incredible work that we're so fortunate to be able to lead for our community, um, including partnering with the city. Um, so we have partnered with the city for the Dreamkeepers initiative um, and providing resources specific to black and brown trans people um, in our programs. But we also um, apply for grants and we do fundraising events and all sorts of things to keep the lights on. <laughs> Honey, you're also chair of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee, and I'm I'm curious how you see the transgender district's relationship with other kind of forms of power building within the trans community. Sure. Well, I mean, the transgender district, I think, is a really special entity because it has sort of this a larger, larger role of, you know, embracing and sort of um, being in charge of a space. Um, and I say that, but I also say that knowing that, you know, the city hasn't quite um, always invested the amount of money and given the tools to the transgender district to make, I think, as much of an impact as it potentially could. I mean, I think the dream when we created the district, and some of this is being realized, and I'm sure Aria will talk uh, more about this later, was to really create a neighborhood where transgender people felt affirmed and welcomed, but where there was also, um, you know, things were made better for the residents there without the, you know, onset of gentrification without the displacement, but still improving the living conditions of people living in that neighborhood and making them, you know, proud of their neighborhood, proud of the history, and also really, you know, empowering people to open things like, you know, trans businesses in the neighborhood to, um, you know, again, make sure that our trans brothers and sisters are housed. Um, and also, you know, that we would see the celebration again of that, you know, historic history of the Compton's cafeteria riots, but also of the people who have really enriched the history and culture of San Francisco through the Tenderloin and through the trans community. Yeah, talking about that history a little bit, we do have a cut from the documentary Screaming Queens, the riot at Compton's cafeteria. Let's listen to that. You can go to Compton's and it was its own little fairyland. I remember the waitresses with the little doily napkins on their chest. It was beautiful because it was clean. In the back of my mind, I remember when hell was raised, Compton's is certainly one of the sources. Everybody would die for window seats just to, just to show off. Jehovah's Witnesses used to drag crosses down the street in front of Compton's and tell us we were going to burn in hell. And, but we ignored them. Compton's was fabulous. It was like Oz. Something like the Wizard of Oz. Aria, I know that this history is a little bit complicated. Initially, the transgender district sort of had Compton's in its name. Uh, and, this, and you all made the decision to, to move away from that. Uh, why'd that happen? Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's so tricky how history happens. And then, 
you know, as we evolve in time and we've seen this in pop culture, we've seen this in our present day society, um, there is a reality that um, history is not always um, sweet. And the reality is, is that, um, you know, the Compton's Cafeteria riots did take place at Gene Compton's Cafeteria, which was a franchise of diners. Um, their biggest location obviously was in San Francisco's Tenderloin at Turk and Taylor, uh, but they had other restaurants and the owner was notorious for calling the police on transgender patrons. Mm. Um, and then the police would come and raid and, and arrest. And so um, the, the, in 2020, what we grappled with is, are we maintaining his legacy or are we sort of recalibrating and affirming the power of trans people in that moment? who started that riot. Um, and of course, so much of the LGBT liberation work that has happened in the last 50 years, being led by trans people, we wanted to center that as opposed to the legacy of Gene Compton as an individual. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about San Francisco's Transgender District and Transgender Awareness Week with Ari Said, founder and executive director of the uh, Transgender District, and Honey Mahogany, co-founder of the Transgender District in the Tenderloin. She's also chair of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee and the first black trans woman to be elected to public office. And we'd love to hear from you. Who is someone around the Transgender District who you'd like to shout out as a crucial part of the community, but who isn't getting recognition and what does having a transgender cultural district mean to you give us a call now at 866-733-6786 that's 866-733-6786 or you can get in touch on twitter and facebook we're at kqd forum or you can email your questions to forum at kqd.org Aria, i wanted to ask you a little bit about the the economic empowerment programs that you're trying to run um, you know, we know that trans people are discriminated against in trying to get jobs. So, so what has your answer been, you know, working with the community? Yeah, um, well, the Transgender District, you know, this year we set a theme as an organization, um, which is to build uh, transgender political, economic, and cultural power. Um, and one of the ways that we do that is through our economic empowerment initiatives. And quite honestly, I mean, you know, two years ago, they were quite radical. And now, you know, we've worked with so many other organizations to replicate that work. Um, our entrepreneurship program is, is very simple, but um, it's unconventional. We recruit aspiring transgender entrepreneurs who have multiple barriers to entrepreneurship, um, who have no demonstrated track record or you know, sort of documented potential success as a business. Mm -hmm. And we enroll them in an eight week boot camp, And then we sponsor their tax filings, their logo development, their branding, we coach them, and then we provide them with seed grants to launch their business. Um, and it's very important that I think we expand what opportunity looks like, given that we know there is a level of marginalization that many and most trans people do face. Um, and so to calibrate that, we created that program um, with just a very simple idea that if we, you know, sort of encourage trans people to consider themselves as entrepreneurs, then they quite possibly can be entrepreneurs. And then when they start their businesses, they can hire other trans people and that will sort of buffer the level of economic disempowerment that we currently hold um, in society. And so we um, have supported eight um, aspiring trans entrepreneurs this past year, and we'll be doing so again um, in spring 2022. And so some of those businesses have started their own coffee shops, 
um, or their own clothing companies, um, cannabis, all, what you name it. And they've ventured out with a few of them actually fully launching, which is, is really incredible. You know, honey, I know that you're also a, an entrepreneur as well. Have you been involved in kind of watching uh, these businesses take shape? I have been involved with some of the, well, I should say I'm not directly involved in this program, but I have gotten to watch it grow and develop. And I'm, you know, just incredibly excited and, and, and proud of the work that Aria is doing in her leadership at the Trans District, um, because it really is realizing the dreams of um, the founders in um, really, again, empowering our community to um, build something that I think previously was seen as impossible. Yeah. You, you also are a co-owner of The Stud, right, which was kind of hit hard by the pandemic. Do you think that that trans, particularly nightlife businesses, were, were hit harder even than most during the pandemic? Well, I mean, there aren't really a lot of them that are left. I mean, um, Divas closed recently. I mean, we do have um, Asia SF that is still there. But, you know, certainly all nightlife businesses were heavily impacted. Um, but LGBT, you know, nightlife in general has been under threat, I think, across the city mm -hmm. and across the country. Unfortunately, again, when you're, you know, a, mar a marginalized community, oftentimes you are the ones that experience the most impacts from gentrification as housing and rent prices go up, even commercial rent prices go up. Our community continues to be displaced, both from our housing, but also from our venues and safe spaces. We're talking about San Francisco's Transgender District uh, here during Transgender Awareness Week with Honey Mahogany, co-founder of the district and the Tenderloin, also chair of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee, as well as Arya Saeed, founder and executive director of the Transgender District. We're going to hear from some of you after the break. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about San Francisco's Transgender District here during Transgender Awareness Week. We're joined by Arya Saeed, who's founder and executive director of the district, as well as Honey Mahogany, who is a co-founder of the district and chair of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee and the first black trans woman to be elected to public office. So I, I wanted to bring in one of the entrepreneurs from the district. Uh, I have Sorello uh, calling in at the moment from the Fluid Co-op. Welcome, Sorello. Hi, how are y'all? Hey, hey, doing well, doing well. Trying to uh, figure out if I can get Santana on as well, since it is a co-op, I feel like. The more the more we can hit on, the better. Um, so I wanted, uh, Sorello, maybe you to talk about how you uh, were affected by some of these entrepreneurship programs and, and what Fluid uh, Co-op is. 
Um, so I actually joined Fluid um, a few days after they opened in La Cucina's Marketplace. So I'm a little um, behind and still catching up to sort of what a lot of the entrepreneur programs um, look like and entail. Um, however, I am um, now the coffee daddy and CEO at Fluid, and we are a trans-owned um, co-op and cafe and event space um, in the Tenderloin. And um, we are just, we're centering the trans non-binary and gender non-conforming and queer communities and just really trying to, you know, create a table made made by us and for all and just um, wanting to just really create a space for the youth and those that are trans and BIPOC and a lot of us who don't have a safe place um, to go to that, that really feels like home. Sorella, we're now joined by one of your partners uh, in the co-op, Santana from San Francisco. Welcome. Hi, everyone. It's such hey, a Santana. pleasure to join in on this conversation, such an important one to have. Yeah. Santana, why don't you just tell us a little bit of, of your story, how you got involved with the Fluid Co-op? Absolutely. Um, for me, it started um, as a dream that I had growing up in San Francisco uh, and being a youth, uh, always looking for somewhere to hang out with other queer youth. Um, through my experiences, I realized that the only ways that you could build a relationship with other youth or to build friendships or hang out anywhere, it was to only hang out at nonprofits, uh, which often involved being part of a program, being part of something. There was always a labor needed. Um, you just wanted a place to chill. To, I'm sorry? You just wanted a place to chill. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted a place to chill. Um, and from that, um, that dream was shared by uh, Jojo, who is our other partner in this who also grew up in the city. And we got together once um, after a planning meeting of Trans Day of Remembrance, actually, which is coming up this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, and we talked about hanging out. Um, and at the time, JoJo was uh, just turning 20. Um, and I was like, there's nowhere to hang out except for bars. <laughs> Um, and so we shared the idea of wanting to one day own a space that youth could just come and hang out, um, not feel pressured to buy something or be, um, looked at weird for not, for being their most authentic selves. Um, so over the pandemic, we, we really said, you know what, let's do it, along with one of our co-founders, yeah. um, Shannon. We just took the plunge. Um, JoJo was, went through the entrepreneurship program with um, the Transcultural District um, while I was recovering from some gender-affirming surgeries. Um, and it just snowballed um and sorello now it exists right like sorello there is a place yeah yeah there is yeah (laughs) and And where can people if they wanted to visit 
Where where can they go? Uh, they can come to 332 Golden Gate Avenue. We're on the corner of Golden Gate and Hyde. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, um, me and Jojo met through the planning of Transcend Remembrance. Um, and one of the beautiful things is now we get to host a celebration for Transcend Remembrance this Saturday as well. Um, so it's been a very full circle moment for us. And we're able to have lots of beautiful events where people can just come hang out. Um, and along with that celebration, uh, today we're kicking off a gaming happy hour uh, to play board games and to chill um, and just be in community. Yeah. Thanks so much, y'all, for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. And just so people know, it's Fluid uh, Co-op. Fluid Co-op. Um, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ari, I wanted to know what it felt like to just know that your district helped to launch these young entrepreneurs into building this space for the community. Um, quite honestly, it's uh, it's surreal. I think, um, you know, what's amazing about the Transgender District is uh, we provide, you know, this support and development to trans youth um, as they're aging. Um, the organization itself, um, most of our staff are under the age of 28. Um, and that um, this work is led by them. And then these young aspiring entrepreneurs um, are able to engage in our programs that are often pilots um, with no guarantee of funding and then launch their businesses and their dreams. And that's what's most important about um, the work of the trans district, I think, is, is that we, I hope, create more pathways for trans people to see a light at the end of the tunnel in the midst of the constant sort of disparity and, and you know, um, people this week will be hearing about the levels of violence um, and, you know, murders of trans people across the, the globe. And so in, 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 in that, there's also resilience. And um, I think it's, it's incredible to see the work that Fluid has been able to do in such a short time. Yeah. You know, Honey Mahogany, do you think, just thinking about all these young people who are coming up, we know that more people have been able to come out um, as trans, as gender nonconforming, how different do you think kids coming up now? How, how different would their lives be relative to, you know, how, how it was for you coming up? Well, I, you know, I think that it's really great that we see such diverse representation of trans people in the media today. Um, whether and not just in the media, but in all walks of life, you know, um, politics especially. I think we're seeing things. And I did actually want to take this opportunity to correct something you said earlier. Oh, um, I am actually not the first Black trans woman to be elected in this the, into the United States. That that honor goes to Andrea Jenkins, who oh, was elected my apologies for Andrea Jenkins, twenty eighteen, um, and serves in the Minneapolis City Council. Um, I am the first, you know, black chair of the San Francisco Democratic Party and the first, I believe, trans chair of any uh, Democratic Party um, in the country. But first black trans woman elected, Andrea Jenkins. Um, I did want to also highlight just that something that Arya said, which is, yeah, we've had an incredibly um, horrific year in terms of trans people getting mur murdered. 46 people in the U.S. alone, 400 trans people that were just reported in uh, around the world. Um, again, that's just people who were reported being murdered. And so I think that um, even though things are better now than they have been, I think that visibility also has, you know, mm -hmm. really shown us that um, our community is still 
for uh, facing, you know, violence um, just for being ourselves. Yeah. And we're going to talk about transgender members in just a second. I just want to add in one last caller. Uh, Shalia from Alameda. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Um, oh, so um, I'm teary about this. I am so thrilled that you guys have done this. I didn't even know it existed. I'm delighted because my eldest is trans and having him have a place that feels welcoming is exceptional. Um, I'm about to be doing my dissertation on LGBT and food. So I'm thrilled to hear about fluid and can't wait to go visit and talk to people there. Yeah. Shalia, I feel you. Thank you so much for that call. Thank you so much. Um, and Arya, do you want to tell people who want to come to Trans Day of Remembrance, um, where is it, where where should they go to, to represent for this community? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of people may not realize November 20th is International Transgender Day of Remembrance. It's uh, a day that the transgender community worldwide um, sets aside to memorialize and honor the lives of our trans siblings who've been murdered due to violence and transphobia. Um, the Transgender District is hosting a vigil and call to action ceremony at Counterpulse in San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood on Turk and Taylor Street on Saturday, November 20th um, from 3.30 to 5 p.m. And we're encouraging our allies and supporters, uh, folks who may be cisgender and may not be trans who want to learn how to support, to visit our website um, and our social media platforms. We have tons of information on how uh, to be more aware and to be um, intentional in allyship as an ally um, in support of transgender lives and specifically uh, Black transgender people. We've been talking about San Francisco's Transgender District during uh, Transgender Awareness Week here with Arya Saeed, founder and executive director of the Transgender District, and Honey Mahogany, co-founder of the Transgender District in the Tenderloin, chair of the San Francisco Democratic County Central Committee, and one of the first black trans women elected to office. Thank you both so much for coming on in for all the work that you've done in the community. Thank Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back with more Forum after a short break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.